This podcast has been made possible by Planful and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Mike Hugg, CFO of Wyndham Destinations. You're listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 539. I would say above all else, I've, I've been very drawn to the FP&A functions. In my opinion, I think that an, an FP&A professional who is doing his or her job correctly has a seat at that decision-making table of an, of an organization and is heavily involved in operational strategy and growth strategy. Um, that's where I've been drawn to. That's the piece of it, of it that's very exciting for me. We have very aggressive goals. We've been growing, and um, I believe that, that my team, the Office of Finance, is going to be integral in supporting and and driving that growth. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak to Jason Lin, CFO of Centage a budgeting software company. It's a cloud software company. A number of you have emailed me lately asking me to always ask more questions related to this or that. I asked Jason a few extra questions and uh, lo and behold, we opened uh, some new avenues of discussion today. One of which, Jason is a journaler. I don't know how many finance leaders journal out there, but a lot of executives have picked up the practice to help them understand better some of the developments in their own career or in their own business. And we talked to Jason about that. We also talked to Jason about how you have to take ownership of your career. And meanwhile, he touches on how he expects to help drive growth. At Santich, our discussion begins after these words from our sponsor. In an ever-changing world, it can be tough to keep up with the latest FP&A trends and innovations that keep you ahead of the game. Luckily, there's a podcast for that. Tune in to Being Planful, the podcast for finance leaders and planning experts, and stay in the know about what's happening in planning and forecasting. Guests like influencer Chris Ortega, Boston Red Sox CFO Tim Zhu and Brian Lapidus of AFP will keep you up to speed on how you can put finance in the driver's seat this year. Find the full episodes at beingplanful.com or wherever you get your podcasts. P.S. Think you might make a great guest on the show? Shoot host Rowan Tonkin an email at beingplanful.com at planful.com. Hello, we're speaking with Jason Lynn, CFO of Centage. If you're out there networking today inside the finance realm, you probably have come across their people at conferences or at different events. They're the, uh, the budgeting maestro people. Jason, welcome. Thanks, Jack. I'm happy to be here. Thank you very much. Yeah, so Jason, we always begin by asking our guests to look back for us and to share a little bit about their past and those experiences they feel prepared them for a finance leadership role. What, what comes to mind for you? Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I think a couple of 
things come to mind when I think about experiences that, that prepared me to, for, to be a finance leader. Um, one that really jumps out is when, when I realized the, the importance of team and, and relationship building and, and really the importance of establishing personal connections, right? So um, there's, a, there's a great quote out there that um, where a manager will give you a task list to complete a job, um, but a, a true leader reaches you emotionally and connects you emotionally to organizational strategy, to goals. Um, essentially, a leader will, will reach you and get the best out of you. So um, I, I think that once I understood that and understood how to build a team around that, that, that was incredibly important for me. I mean, we, you hear it all the time um, in the sports arena, but you can have a team with amazing talent, but unless you have that connection, unless you have that um, collaboration and teamwork, you, you can fail, uh, even with the best talent in the world. So. Can I ask you about that, Jason? That's sure. A, that's a wonderful uh, something you shared there. Yeah. Uh, was there a leader in your past that demonstrated that to you, brought it to you? Um, yeah, I think I think early on, um, you know, I had a I had a manager who, it, you know, was great and, and involved me in things that were probably above my level, like interview process for 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 people that weren't going to be reporting directly to me. Um, and you know, I I looked at him and said. I'm looking right here at a, at a you know, a, an A player, a top-class candidate, but you're passing on this person to bring in somebody else. And um, they just shared with me, like, look, I, I need to think about fit, and I need to think about fit for our team, and this, this person is going to fit with our team 100% better than that A-class star, star person that you're looking at there that's on that piece of paper. So, um, you know, I think that really resonated with me that, you know, it's, it's as a leader, those are the calls that you make. And I don't want to confuse this, Jack. I'm absolutely a believer in talent, right? I'm actually a believer in you want to build a team of rock stars. But that piece of it sometimes is missed, I think, early on in people's careers that, you know, it, it truly takes a team to have team success and to succeed. Wow. Good, great share right out of the gate uh, here, Jason. And uh, just to highlight uh, the question, that confronts every hiring manager. When does hiring for fit trump uh, hiring a rock star? And that's something uh, I think you got to do one case at a time. And uh, before we really roll on here, I want to find out more about your background. On the way to the CFO office, uh, traditional finance roles, investment banking background. What 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 do you have back there? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sure. So, I mean, a, a little bit about myself. You know, I've been close to 20 years now that I've been in accounting and finance. Um, lots of different size companies from multi-billion dollar, tens of thousand employees to to less than 10 million in annual revenue and, and 30 employees. Um, but, you know, I've always been very analytical and data-driven, and I say I would say above all else, I've, I've been very drawn to the FP&A function, so financial planning analysis. Um, so especially in, in recent times in my career, that's really where I've, I've tried to stay very close to. Um, in my opinion, I think that an, an FP&A professional who is doing his or her job correctly has a seat at that decision-making table of an, of an organization and is heavily involved in operational strategy and growth strategy, especially in, in, in tech and in SaaS companies. So um, that's where I've been drawn to. That's the piece of it, of it that's very exciting for me ties very nicely to where I am today at Centage Corporation. So at Centage, our flagship product is Planning Maestro, and it's a financial planning and budgeting cloud-based software. Um, so I'm essentially 
our, our target customer. So it really allows them to kind of get really close to the business, um, to get involved with everything from how we market, how, how marketing approaches our messaging, and um, you know, to even the demos that we provide to our customers. Because again, I've I've walked in our customers' shoes. I've ex experienced the same challenges that they have. Um, so really, a, a unique position for me here at, at Centage that, that that aligns very well with my background. You arrived at at, at Centage only this spring, or uh, I, I believe, and and uh, I always like to ask if there was a recruiter involved. But what what would you share with us about your arrival there? Um, yeah, so there wasn't a recruiter involved, and um, you know, it kind of it kind of speaks to the importance of just relationships, and, and you know, it was, it was a recruiter that had reached out to somebody that I worked out worked with in the past, and the role didn't quite make sense for them, and um, they referred me to the to the recruiter, and that's that's kind of how I ended up here at uh, at Centage. But yeah, so it's it's been a you know, I think it's been a really great fit. Um, you know, from day one meeting with the CEO, uh, we were just perfectly aligned. And when we talked about kind of vision for the company, vision for, for my team, finance and accounting and administration, um, and then even kind of um, our, our relationship with our board of directors, which is obviously extremely important. It's been, a, um, it's been a really great experience. I did start back in May, so in a couple of months, you might, you could still say that I'm in the honeymoon period, but from the outside, but it doesn't feel like that. I'll tell you that, Jack. <laughs> you know, it's, I think that, um, you know, any finance professional will tell you that in our roles, we kind of age in dog years. So um, I, I look back and I can't believe there's only been a couple of months that I've been, been here at Centage. When we have a uh, finance leader uh, like yourself as a guest, uh, Jason, uh, a, a finance leader who has several marquee companies that uh, he's worked for or she's worked for in the past, um, always just want to have you reflect a little bit on that path. And I'm hoping you do that for us. I know sometimes uh, finance leaders uh, don't like to mention specifics, but uh, just some of these companies that you were involved with are just really interesting ones that we all know and uh, would love just to have you reflect a little bit on, on your experiences there. Sure. So so it's, it's been close to 20 years now that I've been in, in finance and accounting. And, um, you know, to your point, I've been in a lot of different size companies from, you know, multi-billion dollar, tens of thousand employees to less than 10 million in, in annual revenue and, and 30 employees. Um, so, you know, I, I started my career at Raytheon Company, the, the government defense contractor. So, again, when I, when I was there at the beginning of my career, this is a company that was multi-billion dollar, had close to 15,000 just finance professionals there, um, and then, you know, mo moved on to in, into tech and companies like TripAdvisor and Monster.com. Um, and then also Zoom Info most recently where I headed up their, their FP&A organization. Uh, one of the things that I, I pull out of my experience that I think has really rounded me out well and kind of prepared me to be um, a finance leader is just operating in a lot of different, and I'll, I'll call it uh, financial corporate environments, right? So when you think about Monster.com, it's, it's a company that's a little bit on the deep side, you know, with, with, the, with the LinkedIn's and, and Indeed, those, those, those companies that are really taking market share from Monster. So when I was at Monster, you know, we were making hard decisions like cutting costs. There were, there were salary and merit increase freezes, right? So, you know, having to, to manage through that, motivate a team without those, those types of um, perks, I'll call it, you know, without being able to offer a, a salary increase or, or bonuses, and you know, still, still being able to, to motivate and, and push a team forward. And then on the other end of the spectrum, a company like TripAdvisor, wildly financially successful, right, um, doing very well in their, in their cash position and, and having to, to kind of 
direct that organization and say, you know, yes, cash isn't a concern, but that does not mean that we should throw wild, lavish team parties every every week, right? Because it's not the responsible, the financially responsible thing to do. So, so there's challenges in both of those environments, and I think having having been through both both ends of the spectrum has, has been really beneficial for me. And it's kind of like, what is this chapter going to be about? And clearly, we, I imagine you see, you, you can leave a, a thumbprint here as well. And what would that be? What are your priorities as you look to open this next chapter of your career, but also one percentage? Yeah, so at Centage, I think the most exciting thing is, is and where I, I really feel that I'm going to be able to make a mark is just preparing the company for growth and, and, and driving growth. Um, you know, so, so you know, there's, there's a huge market opportunity out there for us right now. We sell a, a cloud-based financial planning and budgeting software to the SMB market. Market data tells us that close to 70% of CFOs and finance teams in the SMB rely on Excel spreadsheets for their financial planning and budgeting. Um, so, and, and this is something that Excel, as great of a tool as it was, it's, 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 as it is, it's not meant for dynamic planning and budgeting. So we have a huge growth opportunity, right? And, you know, within finance and accounting incentives, I've found that there are still too many manual processes, right, for, for my comfort. Um, so it's really going to be building the finance and accounting team and really the whole company operationally to be, to be scalable, you know, as, as we continue to grow 30, 40, 50% year over year um, to make sure that the, the company is built for growth. Now, what would you tell us as far as uh, the team is concerned? Is there a, have you looked to reorganize finance in some way? Are you looking to add some additional uh, team members? What would be your approach? Yeah, so, I mean, my, my approach there, um, I'll start by saying that, you know, we have a really great finance accounting administration team here at Centage. That was, that was crystal clear to me from day one. Um, really, for me, it was just about setting clear expectations. So, in my in my first team staff meeting, my my first slide that I threw up for the team, there were three bullets, and uh, they were treat each member of our team and and our company with trust, respect, and professionalism. Our work is done accurately and timely. We meet our deadlines and we fulfill our commitments to our business partners. And then, lastly, all ideas are are welcome. We communicate openly. We fail and succeed as a team. So, so I called those our are three principles, and as long as we, as a team, adhere to those principles, we, we are going to move in the right direction, and, and that, that I, I truly believe. Um, you know, there, there hasn't been much of a reorg. We have a great team here. For me, it's really been more about pushing career development within the team and cross-training. So I, I, I believe beyond our titles, um, at the end of the day, we're all, we're all business partners. So, so yes, Jack, you're a, your title is staff accountant and you're mainly focused on the debits and credits. But, you know, a marketing colleague walks over and asks us about performance, cost performance versus budget or forecast, and our FP&A analyst is out on PTO. You should be able to help that person and add value outside of your day job. Um, I think this is the, the best way to support our inter internal customers, but it's, it's also great for my team's professional development. And it's, it's something that, you know, I, I think has been, been really well received. And, and obviously, as, as we grow, you know, we'll, we'll want to add resources to our team. And um, with that thought in mind, that we want people who have that natural curiosity um, to, to kind of add value outside of their quote-unquote day job. 
Now, this is, of course, a cloud solution, so we will make a wild guess and say that some of your top-of-mind metrics include uh, recurring revenues and uh, lifetime customer value, or what would you share with us? Am I, am I correct about that? Yeah, yeah, I mean you're you're absolutely correct. Those are those are things that we're we're very very focused on. Um, you know, for for me, and this is this is no surprise, but it it begins. You know, the, the first thing that I'm concerned about is how how we're performing on the top line. So so you know, new business sales, um, pipeline progression, and then renewal. So yes, we're we're cloud based, we're SaaS, and you know the, the drivers for growth. And in SaaS, there's kind of that that bucket analogy or the leaky bucket, right? So it's how much water you're throwing in or new business you're throwing in on top, and then from the bottom, you want to stop stop any of the, the leaky bucket syndrome where you're 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 losing customers on the renewal. So as long as we're doing well on on both ends there, we're going to grow. So so those are kind of the, the two main things that, that I'm focused on. As far as non-financial metrics are concerned, I guess I would imagine there's uh, in the customer measurement space you might have a few, the net promoter score perhaps. But what, what would you tell us? Uh, yeah, so I mean, customer usage that definitely is is one that you know. And when you talk about these types of non-financial metrics, they're all they're, they're leading leading indicators to success. So you know, I already mentioned our renewal rate. So we kind of try to dig in one level deeper. Well, what's a leading indicator leading indicator to our to our, our renewal rate? And, and for us, that's kind of customer success at the beginning of the process. So looking at how many customers customers have successfully onboarded in um, an appropriate amount of time that, that we spent internally. Um, so, so it's getting one layer deeper in, in, in our metrics that kind of drive our growth is, is what we look at non-financially. And also I think what's interesting for us is, and for me here at Centage is, is we're really keen on tracking company culture. So employee morale and satisfaction, um, satisfaction around around your day job and just being energized about the company's direction and mission. You know, we do this through different avenues. We do this through employee surveys and face-to-face conversations. We, we even have kind of a skip level, executive level lunch luncheons where, you know, you meet with the CFO or the CEO and just talk about, you know, how, how their views on employee views on company culture, which has been um, it's, it's something that us as a leadership team we're very focused on, and it's it's I think it's a type of data that that's that's outside of the normal that we're tracking. Tell us about uh, how you budget today. Are you uh, are you using your own technology? One would imagine you would have to be. And and what. Uh, uh, as you enter, and uh, were you familiar with the uh, the offering uh, firsthand, or is this the first time you're using the, the solution? So it, it is the first time that I am using the solution. I, I did use um, a very similar, uh, basically our direct competitor solution. So you know the the, the, the budgeting processes, and, and you know what I've been trying to drive here in, in Centage, we, we you know we have a. A great leadership team that is it's full it's a fully bottoms up budget right so we're working with our business partners um, on, on the marketing side aside on what their spend is going to be on on the sales and the sales forecast product development engineering so you know we we like to start it with a with a kickoff to make sure that we're level set on what the you know the, the organizational goals for the following year are and then it all flows down from there so here here are the goals and then um, here are the initiatives here is kind of the cost and, and the different the different spend that are going to tie in with all those initiatives. So, 
um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a process that takes a lot of collaboration and it takes a, a tool like Planning Maestro for it to, to tie it all together and to be successful. We'd like to ask for what we refer to as a finance strategic moment, which is where during the course of your career, your lines of sight into the organization as a finance executive allowed you to see something, whether it was a risk or an opportunity that you responded to. You, d- you decided to do things differently. I imagine you've had quite a few of these over time, plenty of them. Yeah. But what would you, uh, what comes to mind if we, you, you had to single out just one? Yeah, so I mean, I think my finance strategic moment, and there's a moment that kind of crystallized for me what, what it really takes to, to drive change within, within and across an organization was um, my, an initiative that, that my finance team ran. Uh, at TripAdvisor that we called The Biggest Loser. So if, if you remember, there, a few years back, there was a reality TV show called The Biggest Loser that was essentially a, a weight loss contest, contest, right? So whoever lost the most weight won the contest. So the plan was, is, you know, you're, you're losing the most weight, you're the biggest loser, but you actually, you've actually won. Um, so, so during one of our forecast cycles, uh, we challenged all of our business partners to find the most cost savings possible in their updated four-year forecast without having a material operational impact. Um, and, and going through our exor- that exercise as we met with all the different business partners, it was just amazing how much misalignment there was around the numbers and the budget. And I'm talking everything from, oh, I didn't even know that that was approved and still in the budget. We've been moving forward without it to, to misunderstanding around larger company goals and initiatives. So it was an extremely eye-opening experience for me. It, it, it drove home the fact that you know, the importance of communication and, and true collaboration. And I, and I took away from that that never again would I make any assumptions around those two things. Never assume that the communication has happened and never assume that, that you're aligned with the business, you know. Um, and the message is the strategic insight was that to truly drive that change in, in, in an organization, it starts there. It starts with the, the open communication and the collaboration. Thought Leader listeners, don't go anywhere. CFO Jason Lynn enters the mentoring round after this. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization. Our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. Okay, we're going to jump to our mentoring round where I get to ask you several quick questions intended to inspire and mentor future finance leaders. What is it that's exciting you today about finance and business? Yeah, I mean, it's it's an extremely exciting time right now. Um, I mean, we're seeing so many companies go through digital transformation. We're right on the brink of the age of machine learning and artificial intelligence, there's, there's no lack of excitement out there. What's amazing to me is that the Office of Finance is, is right in the middle of it. And that's what, I would, that's what I want to pass on to you know, the future finance leaders is that 
we are we are right in the middle of all of this change. So so Forbes recently had an article, and the title of the article was "The New CFO is a Change Maker in the Age of AI." So they essentially call out that CFO in the Office of Finance are now looked to, and this is a quote from the article: "Are architects of growth." So just you just think outside of the tra traditional accounting, budgeting, forecasts. CFOs, finance, we're, looked, we're being looked at to drive growth within an, an organization. So that, that to me is just, especially with my FP&A background, is just extreme, extremely exciting. This is interesting, only because your, your CFO tour duty here at Sandage only began last spring, but when you first stepped into that office, if there was one piece of advice you wish someone had given you, it's only a few months back, <laughs> someone might knock on the door and give it to you today, who knows? But what is that piece of advice you wish someone had given you uh, as you stepped into that office for the first time? Um, you know, I, I think just just be prepared that concessions are, are a regular part of the job, right? So, um, you know, as I'm sure as you know, as finance professionals, we have a some of us have a very clear, you know, black and white on what's right and what's wrong. Decision, decisions that make financial sense, decisions that don't make financial sense, and I think that. Um, you know, part of the part of the job at, as of CFO at a growth company is to understand when you need to make certain concessions to say, you know, we probably do need to invest in that. It might not make sense compared to our current budget that we just reported to our CEO or to our board or, or et cetera. But um, this is the right thing to do operationally. So um, I think I think just being comfortable with that and knowing that. Um, to, to my previous point, that you're you're kind of looked to as a as a driver of growth and and not just a, a guardian of the financials. That you have to make decisions. That sometimes you're making concessions um, from a financial perspective as a financial professional. You have a personal habit or routine you believe has contributed to your professional success. Keeping and reviewing a, a career journal has been extremely rewarding for me and, and I think a, a key contributor to my success. So um, I'm a big believer that I only want to learn lessons once and, um, you know, I think that we all know that memory, memory fades, but if you if you consistently keep that career journal and you're consistently um, reviewing it at, at some sort of cadence, whether it's quarterly or once every half year, um, it kind of allows you to review those lessons and, and it also allows for reflection, you know, so you, th you think about um, you had a, a great career success or maybe on the other side of a, a career failure. And um, if, you, if you reflect on it in two weeks, it, there, might be, there might be different thoughts than if you reflected on it in six months or a year, you know, like what you would have done differently, what you learned from it, what you, you know, what you want to pull out of that and move forward with in, in your career. So um, that's been, like I said, extremely rewarding for me, and I think it's really helped, helped shape me. Understand this. Uh, so you have a, a journal that you keep on an iPad or somewhere where you you open up the book and you type in uh, your latest experiences over perhaps the last quarter or six months um, and your takeaways from them. Absolutely. It goes so it goes back to way back when when I got out of school and I read. So essentially, the beginning of my journal is, is through is, is notebook paper, and, and now I've obviously moved to, to digital and an app, but. You know, I, I have the, the snippet that, you know, when I first started my career, what my goal was, and I, I wrote down to be, to be the, the CFO of a Fortune 200 company, you know. So I, I'm a big believer in goals, and um, so, you know, I've, I've, I've kept that journal, and it's, it, it varies from, from weekly to monthly. I, I, I try never to go more than a month without, you know, kind of jotting down 
what happened in my career, what happened professionally, what challenges I faced, my teams faced, how we overcame those on, on a monthly basis. But yeah, absolutely, it's, it's something that um, that I've kept up with, and that you know, as as I've begun to mentor folks, I've encouraged them to do as well. Now, I have to imagine journaling, which which has become increasingly popular. Uh, but I, I, you are, I think, the first uh, finance leader to share that they have practiced this in the past and it's part of their routine. It gives you the opportunity probably to, to reflect on the past and really understand what value certain experiences brought to you. Have you ever gone back and looked at some of the earlier chapters and thought about yourself, how perhaps you might have changed or you, maybe you think you sounded naive. Maybe you think you sounded too sharp-tongued. Whatever it might have been, is there has that experience ever happened? Have you changed? Do you think over time? I, I, I think we all change. And for me, I've you know I've 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 completely changed. I would say than than when I was that you know that that very green kind of you know college graduate. You know, I, so I'm I'm naturally very aggressive, Jack, and I've. You know, I, I look at some of my entries from my journal where it's, it's, it's a lot of kind of like, well, this person doesn't know what they're doing or what they're talking about if, if only this and that would happen. So a lot of um, not taking accountability, right? So, you know, I, I look back and it's just like you, you, you see a different version of yourself, a, a, a younger, less mature version of yourself, and sometimes you almost want to speak to that person and say, look, like, take ownership of this. this you know, this is, this is on you, it's not on them things like that, but it's, it's again, it's, it's a great reminder to um, how you progress as, as a professional, as a, as a person, as an individual contributor to a manager, to a, to a true leader. It's, 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 it's really a, um, an interesting view on, on things when you, when, you, when you keep up with the journal. Have you been able to diagnose where growth has happened for you? And what the circumstances were, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's during the challenging periods of a career or a company's um, challenges. It, have you been surprised to discover, you know, where I think I grew the most, the quickest during this part of my career, and not here, which maybe I enjoyed, but it wasn't necessarily challenging me enough. I, I don't know. Any any reflection that might uh, reveal something about when growth happens? Yeah. So. You know, I, I can pinpoint a time where, um, you know, I was I was in a difficult situation professionally, and, you know, and, you know, and I, I was I was looking to to my mentor to kind of help me, and everything that I was saying to the, to, to my mentor, they turned around and said, and, and I'll I'll never forget this quote, and this is something that I always go into. They said, "You look, you have you have to own your own career." You know, it, it doesn't matter if, if your company doesn't have, have the funding to, to invest in you, to, 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 to train you. It's, at the end of the day, it's not, not your organization's or your manager's responsibility to take ownership of career. It's yours. So, you know, whether that means seeking, seeking training and learning and development on, on, on your own or, or, Jason, stepping outside of your comfort zone and, and stepping up and taking on that project that, that – you know that, that makes you a little bit uncomfortable, things like that. I think, I think like when I look back on, on my career and my journal, when, when I truly understood what that meant, um, that that I had to take accountability and there was nobody else to blame, regardless of, of the the situation that, that you're in professionally. Um, that that was like a light bulb that went off in my head. I would say, you know, that that um, 
that when I look from there and then I could could tra trace my growth path from there. It's it's quite quite astonishing. Okay. Yes. I, I just want to underscore what you just shared. Uh, you have to own your own uh, career. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. We, we interview quite a few finance leaders from both uh, mid-sized companies and, and large companies during the course of the year. And many of them will tell us, uh, particularly the ones in the large corporations, where there were training programs available to them or their, their senior manager tapped them on the shoulder and told them to go to this training course. Um, and, again, that senior manager was likely being incented to develop his people, and they had the funds to, to incent that senior manager to develop their people. That is not always the case in smaller or mid-sized firms. So uh, I'm, I'm just going to make the point that nowhere uh, should that advice be echoed more than inside uh, mid-sized companies. You have to own your own career, uh, is what Jason just shared. And I think uh, if you're not getting the professional development you think you need, you gotta you gotta look for sources of uh, knowledge outside. You have to network, and that's what our finance leaders routinely tell us. But I think, um, uh, well, anyway, that's what sprung to mind with what you just shared. Now, I haven't asked this next question yet, but I think you might have already supplied the answer because uh, if there's part of your daily routine or uh, personal habit that you believe has contributed to your professional success. It sounds like certainly um, journaling uh, might be that part of the routine, but uh, maybe there's another. Is there is there a habit or something else you do that you believe has contributed to your professional success? Yeah, so so for me, it's, it's always been, so I'm, I'm a runner, so it's, uh, there's something about um, getting up very, very early in the morning, and um, especially now with with a family, getting up before anybody else and going out for a run, and then coming home and having a cup of coffee and just kind of re reviewing my what's on my agenda for for my day and my week. Um, I, I, that that really level sets me. I think also kind of the exercise and kind of you know building up a sweat and kind of you know getting building up the energy that way, and then having that quiet time to kind of level level set yourself for what's ahead. Um, it's just something that that. I continue to do, and um, I'll, I'll do for as long as I can because I think it just it helps prepare me both physically and, and mentally. Is there a book you'd recommend to aspiring finance leaders? Doesn't have to be a finance book. Uh, Me Measure What Matters by John Doerr. Um, so John Doerr, the the famous venture capitalist, um, wrote a book, Measure What Matters, and it talks about um, the, the the OKR methodology. So ob OKR and objectives and key results and how they can really drive an organization to achieve important goals and, and ultimately to growth. Uh, it's a model that, that companies like Google and LinkedIn and Twitter uses. And in, in a few sentences, the focus is around um, how objectives need, need to be aligned from the top to the bottom and, and that the key results have to be measurable, right? So at the end of the day, without any arguments, you have to go answer, did, did, I, did I do that or did I not do that? Did our company do that or did, I, did our company not do that, yes or no? Um, so it's, 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 it's a really powerful book. It, it's, it's, it helps with um, kind of improving transparency and accountability throughout an entire company, and it's, it's, it's a great read. Okay, we're up to our final question. As you look forward, what are your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months? Uh, yeah, just continue to 
to drive efficiencies within within our team, within finance. Um, there's there's still, as I mentioned, a lot more manual process that that um, we kind of experienced that, that I'm comfortable with, and that I want to I want to just scale us, prepare us for that that growth, right? And and continue to be a, a support to our business as on our growth path, our percentages growth path. We have a we have very aggressive goal, goals. We've been growing, and um, I believe that, that my team, the Office of Finance, is going to be integral in supporting and, and driving that growth. Okay, Jason Lynn, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Thank you, Jack. Hello, listeners. Do us a favor. Be certain to subscribe to CFO Thought Leader on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or Google Play. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Oh, and by the way, the CFO Yearbook 2021 Print Edition debuts on Amazon this quarter featuring 100 profiles of finance leaders from our 2020 season. Would you like to learn more about our CFO guests? Order the CFO Yearbook 2021. Thank you for supporting our efforts to bring you career journeys of CFOs driving change. We'll be back with another episode very soon. Thank you for listening.